first string and uh, second string and third string. Um, and various players play at different times. They also have starting pitching and relief pitching. That's not a first string or a second string. That's just simply a different function for the overall good of the team. Coming in from the bullpen today, Pastor Vince Digall to share with us. No second stringer at all, but wants to bring a message, and I've asked him to, the power and love of Jesus Christ. This morning, excuse me. What we're about to read is sacred scripture, and I, I think that's good to be reminded of. Sometimes we open up the Bible and we read it as any other book, but yet it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Sacred should be treated with uh, the utmost respect, and hopefully that will all leave here changed. I've been praying for you all. I hope you've been praying for me. If you'll turn with me to Leviticus chapter 15, we'll begin... A good tool to remember when studying the Scripture is the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. I'll say it again. The New Testament's in the Old Testament concealed. Think about salvation. We know there's only one way to get saved, and that's throughout the whole Scripture, yet salvation is a little dim in the Old Testament. It's like uh, if you have a dimmer switch in the kitchen and you kind of crank up, crank up the light. It's a, little, it's a little dim, but when you come to the New Testament, salvation is so clear. The, the light is turned up all the way. Christ was in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6, when he sees the Lord, it's Christ sitting at the temple. And his whole train fills the temple. It was Christ who was one of the angels in a Christophany that came to Abraham. It's a, little, it's a little concealed, but when you come to the New Testament, Christ is wide open, revealed, clear as a bell. And the only way we can really understand the scripture that we're going to go over today is to go to the Old Testament and see what God has to say about it. And then go to the New Testament, I think it will become clear. As we're studying this, the overriding theme of sacred scripture is redemption. It's redemption. God is a covenant-keeping God, and men are a covenant-breaking group of individuals and a society. And over and over and over, God is rescuing people. They've sinned. He judges. But He's always wanting to rescue. He loves people, and He's wanting them to come to Him. Therefore... As we read this, think about Christ and why He came. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to give His life a ransom. And as He's going through speaking and preaching and healing diseases and casting out demons, what He's trying to do is draw His sheep to Himself. And all of His sheep will hear His voice and they'll follow Him. So, we're going to read a story. And it's not a story, but it's a, it's a law in the book of Leviticus, and it deals with women, because we're going to look at a woman's life in the New Testament. So if you will please uh, go to chapter 15, starting in verse 19. If a woman has a discharge, and the discharge from her body is blood, she shall be set apart seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. 
Everything she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything she sets on shall be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything she sets on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until, excuse me, I believe unclean until evening. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when he touches it, he shall be unclean. And if any man lies with her at all, so the impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. And you think, why are we looking at that this morning? Well, it's very important when we go to the New Testament. God places this law on people to give a woman's body rest, to cleanse her body. When David saw Bathsheba bathing, the scripture says she was cleansing herself because her impurity was over with. Once the seven days were complete, the woman was declared ceremonial clean. But if the bleeding did not stop, she was labeled unclean until such a time came when she was cured. First thing I want to look at today is the state of the unclean. The Jews took these laws very serious. For a woman to be labeled unclean had several implications. One was she could never enter the temple. Anyone who touched her, her clothes, sat where she sat, was declared unclean. And the word unclean here means defiled. They had to go through a ritual to become clean. Therefore, you were ostracized from society. Even families would distance themselves from a woman in this condition. Even her husband, her own husband, could not go around her. She was unclean. Like the leopard who had to yell unclean when being approached, this woman was in the same condition. Condition. She was a walking plague, and nobody wanted to be around her. Very serious. And we go to the New Testament, the Lord is going to open our eyes up to a woman that's in this condition. But we're going to see the love and power of Christ and how he deals with this situation. And remember, this story that we're going to read, it was true, but it's about redemption. It's not about healing. This woman is not the overall picture of what we're going to be studying. It's Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. It's about Jesus and how he loves people and how he has the power to set them free from their sins. You were all born unclean. And it could be that some of you all in here are unclean. You're defiled because your sin at the moment of conception has followed you all the way to this point. In your life. And you are unclean. Now, people touch you. We don't go through the Jewish laws, but in God's eyes, you're unclean. And there's only one remedy, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's it. So if you're here, and you don't know if you're going to go to heaven, and you don't really know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, right up front, you're unclean in God's eyes. God is wanting you. To come to him. Let's turn to Mark chapter 5 as we look at this scripture. 
What will bring a man into right standing with God the Father other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Nothing. Nothing. The state of two desperate people. As we read the book of Mark, if you've studied the book of Mark, Mark uses the word immediately a lot. And immediately, Jesus went into the desert. And immediately, this happened. And immediately, Jesus went here. He uses the word immediately, so we'll know that things transpired without any time. It went like that. Immediately. There wasn't taking a step forward and a step backward. It was right at the same time. Now, with that in mind, we're going to begin to look at a man named Jairus. Look at chapter 5. And let's, get, let's go on down to verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by the boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him. And he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him. It's very important to remember that. Jesus goes with Jairus, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. The scripture tells us that Jairus was a desperate man who displays faith in Jesus Christ, even though it was pretty small. Remember the centurion? He went to Christ and he said, you don't have to go to my house. You just say the word, and my child will be healed. Jairus says, you need to come with me. I'm glad that God uses little faith. All through the scripture, little faith, small faith. The centurion had great faith. I don't know where your faith is at today, but as we read this, I hope that God will encourage you to have greater faith in Jesus Christ. He's as real as I'm standing here. He wants you to walk in the resurrection power that he gives. And he's wanting to give us all that resurrection power. Jairus was a leader, a ruler of the synagogue. He made a decision to follow Christ no matter what, even though he knew how the Pharisees uh, thought about Christ and, and, and where they were going to plot against him. And maybe he would lose his job as a ruler of the synagogue, but he didn't care because he knew that Christ was the only hope for his daughter. He fell at his feet, showing honor and humility because his daughter was at the brink of death. For our understanding of the love of Jesus Christ, Mark does something wonderful in these passages of scripture. He lists a row of three separate accounts of issues that make one unclean. First, the demon who was in the graveyard made you unclean. If you were touched a graveyard, the death of Jairus's daughter, because she does die, he made you unclean. And this woman and her hemorrhaging made you unclean. And he's bringing this story to make it alive in our eyes so we can see the power of Christ. How many of you guys have a daughter? How many of you guys have a daughter? Raise your hand. What won't you do to protect your daughter? Think about it. Wouldn't you give your life for your daughter? I would. You would. All the men here would give their life to save their daughter. This man is desperate. He loves his daughter and she is going to die. And he looks to Christ as the only hope. Some of you all have several daughters. You know, sons grow up and they become independent. 
And as you see your son grow into a man, they get this independent spirit. And it's good because they need to go out from the house and begin to be a leader in their own home. But the relationship between a father and a daughter, it stays that way. Your daughter is always your little girl. The, she will always think of you in that way. And you will always think, as you look at your daughter, I don't care if she turns 30. My daughter's getting ready to turn 28 years old. She's still my little girl. It's important to remember this. The word daughter. Think of your relationship with your daughter. And it's going to play out here in a little bit how important this word daughter really is. Come lay your hands on her and she will be healed. Jesus responds to this man's faith and he goes with Jairus. Now, Jairus, excuse me, Jairus is in a big hurry to get home. I mean, can you imagine your daughter was ready to die and you knew that Jesus Christ could heal your daughter? Now, remember this. No one had been raised from the dead at this point. He had some, his faith was, uh, was pretty strong. I would want to get Christ in my house as fast as I could. All of us would. I mean, we have technology now. We would put a, we'd put Jesus in the car, wouldn't we? We'd drive 100 miles an hour to get home because our daughter needs his hand. Come lay your hand on her and she will be healed. But there's a problem along the way. There's a woman that Christ is calling to save. Let's read on down verse 25. Now, a certain woman. You see, Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. He had a little prestige. This is just a woman. Matter of fact, this is an outcast of society. She's just a certain woman. She's not really important. You know, Christ is not here for just the nobodies of the world. He saves the rich. He saves the poor. He saves those in between. He's not on one side or the other. He's going to save and and resurrect Jairus' daughter. And he's going to deal with this woman, even though she's just your average woman who's unclean. And Jesus is a rabbi. Now, she had a flow of blood for 12 years. I can't understand that. You ladies here can understand what... This woman was going through. And I'm sure every woman's heart goes out to this woman. For 12 years, this hemorrhaging was going on. Couldn't stop it. For 12 years, she was unclean. 12 years. No synagogue, no family reunions, no no sitting around the table with people, no touching your daughter. On and on and on it goes. This woman is in dire straits. This woman is really at the end of her rope. And I can imagine what she's going through. Christ is, uh, Christ is on the way. Isn't that a wonderful thing about Jesus Christ in that aspect? Christ is coming. Where's your hope at today? It's in Christ. As we look at this woman in dire straits, hopeless and unclean, but guess what? Jesus Christ is getting ready to come. And she's going to meet him. She's Just a nobody. She had suffered many things, verse 26 says, from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather she grew worse. 
She tried everything she knew to get better. Like many people today who try all sorts of things to get to heaven, trying to have peace with God and it won't work. It doesn't work. There's a spiritual illustration here. As you read the Bible, we need to think spiritually here. There's no hope for this woman. She's tried it all. And you know, the primitive tools that these physicians had, she suffered many things from these men who didn't treat women the way they should have been treated. Not only was her disease horrible, she tried to go get help from men and then she suffered greater. She'd spent all of her money. She didn't have any money left. She was at the end of her rope. I'm sure there are women here today that have been harmed by men. Ungodly men have hurt you. But there's Christ. There's Jesus Christ. No man cared for this woman. But there was one coming that was going to care for her. There was one coming who was going to show his love for this woman. And he had already begun to work in her heart. She was unclean. She was hurt. She was hopeless. It's hard to get people to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ until they really see their hopeless state. Right? Until you really see your sin against a holy God. And really see where you stand with the Lord. You know, the, the Lord could have made man out of anything. But He chose dirt. Dirt. God makes man out of dirt. Right? We are created out of dirt. And He is holy. And that relationship, when we finally see where we stand before God and we become hopeless, how am I going to get to heaven? I can't get there. I can't be good enough. It's obvious you can't give your money to get into heaven. You can't go to church to get into heaven. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing sacred scripture. Faith comes by when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and show you that you're a sinner and you need Christ. And here comes Christ, the Savior of the world, the one who came to seek. Do you see what Christ is going to do with this woman? He's seeking her out. Oh, I thought she goes to him. We're going to read a little bit. Oh, it looks like she's going to him, which she is. She didn't come up with that on her own. No man will come to God on his own. There is no man seeking after the Lord unless the Holy Spirit begins to work in that man's life or that woman's life. This woman was hopeless. Nowhere else to turn. What about you? How are you going to get to heaven? How are you going to get there? Works? Religion? How are you going to get to heaven? How are you living your life? You following Jesus Christ? You want to know the difference between a non-believer and a believer? A believer follows Jesus. I don't know if you're following Christ or not. Now, this story is such a beautiful story. Read, look at verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, the Spirit of God begins to work in her life. When she heard that He was coming. She had heard that He had probably healed people, I'm sure. She would heard the wonderful things about Christ. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. As we go on with this passage of Scripture, one note, 
before I explain this, this verse. This woman is going to get healed. But don't ever think that God will heal you. But when I get sick, I do pray to Christ. I pray to God, heal me. That's a good thing to do. We're so quick to run to doctors. Christ can heal our physical bodies. The Lord still heals people. We got a lot of preachers out there preaching that all you got to do is have faith to be healed. Well, why don't they go to the rest homes and preach that stuff, right? Oh, they can heal. Well, go to Children's Mercy and preach that stuff. There's preachers out there saying you could, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, prosperous. They're all liars. They're a liar. He doesn't promise any of that stuff, but I'll tell you what he promises. He promises something far greater. Jesus Christ promises this. If you'll put your faith and trust in him, he will give you eternal life. And what are you going to pay for that? We should be a grateful people. And here this woman is. She's wanting to be healed. An outcast of society. She says, I'll just sneak up behind him. Why does she sneak up behind him? Because she's unclean. I'm sure she's got her head covered. The crowd knows she's unclean. She's not supposed to touch a rabbi. So she's going to sneak up behind him. Now, I don't want to ruin a perfectly good song about the hem of his garment. But a rabbi wore a talit, a garment that was traditionally wore by rabbis and other Jewish men. It was a prayer shawl. And on this prayer shawl, it had tassels. And the tassels had five knots. And the five knots stood for the commandments, the first five books of the law. And between these knots were four spaces, which stood for the four letters that, that spoke of the word Yahweh. And so they had a shawl on and they had these tassels hanging down. Now, the Pharisees knew that the people had a tradition that if the Messiah would come, that when you would touch those tassels, you would be healed if you would have faith. The Pharisees took this to an extreme and they made these tassels really long where everybody could see the tassels hanging off their, their shawl, hoping that people would look at them thinking, maybe they're the Messiah. Maybe he's the Messiah. And Jesus said, you wear your tassels long but your heart is far from God. Ah, but this was a different rabbi. This is God in the flesh. God in the flesh had a robe on. And even though this might have a little bit of superstition from the woman's perspective, she thought, if I touch his tassel, he's going to heal me. Why did she say that? Because she's singing, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah, and I'm going to sneak up by him. I don't need to be proud. I'm just going to touch it. And she said within herself, she'd be healed. The Jewish teaching was there. Ah, but this woman had faith. This woman had faith. Look at verse 28 and 29. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately, knowing the power, had come out of him. 
Now, this woman had faith that he was the Messiah. This woman sneaks up behind him, touches his tassel, and immediately she was healed. She wasn't saved at this time. She was healed. And she knew she was healed. And at the same exact moment, Christ knew that someone with faith had touched him. Now, Christ is omniscient. He knew where she was. He knew everything about this woman. And he's going to turn around and call her out. Now, a lot of people were thronging him at this time. They were touching him, putting their hands all over him and touching him. They weren't being healed. Christ distributes his healing power to whom he wants to distribute it to. Jesus Christ saves whom the Father has elected. Christ gives out his power to those he chooses. He could have saved everybody. He could have healed everybody that was touching his body. And it's one woman. And he turns around and he says, who touched me? Now, here's this poor woman who knew she was healed, and yet she was still an outcast of society. I'm sure she would want everybody to look at her. He challenged her. What about you? You see, the Lord wants this woman to give him glory. I want you to tell everybody here. Let them know who healed you. Who touched me? It says she was trembling. Look at verse 31, 32. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitudes thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? I mean, they were blown away. What are you talking about, Jesus? Verse 32, and he, took a, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling. Now, I can imagine if that happened to me that I would be fearful and trembling. You remember the disciples in the boat when Jesus said, He calmed the storm? Peace be still. They were fearful. They were trembling because they thought, Who is this that the, the wind and the seas obey him? This woman was touched. She touched him and immediately she was healed. I'm sure she was scared to death. This is God. This is God in front of me. And God in the flesh turns around and he says, Who touched me? Now, knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell down before him. Remember Jairus? Jairus came up to Jesus Christ and he fell down at him. This woman is healed and immediately she goes to Christ and she tells him all that had been going on in her life. He doesn't reject her. And you know what? He's not made unclean either. Because he's not a rabbi. He's God in the flesh. But she falls down at his feet. Sometimes we treat the Lord Jesus Christ with such a lackadaisical attitude. And he saved us and gave us eternal life. Do you know that this morning what we're supposed to be doing is setting a pattern for what is actually going on in heaven? As you read the scripture, in heaven they're rejoicing right now. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, every song is about redemption. Go to the book of Revelation and look at the songs. It's about the Lamb of God. They're around the throne worshiping Christ. You and I 
should be as this, this, this woman who, who meets Christ and she is so overwhelmed. She falls at his feet. Oh, do you have that kind of a hard attitude towards Jesus Christ for what he's done for you? You didn't deserve to be healed. You were unclean going on your, going on your merry little way. Didn't care about God. And God looked past all that and he touched you. And he saved you. And he set you apart to glorify him. Now this woman falls at his feet and she tells him the whole truth. Now, verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. She's saved now, isn't she? As soon as she was healed, she fell before him to worship him and she told him the truth. I'm unclean. I've been unclean for 12 years. And I'm sure she explained to him this story. And he looks at her and he says, daughter, do you see the relationship that is now between her and the Lord? She's not an outcast of society. She's not unclean anymore. She is a daughter of the Lord. All the women in this auditorium today who was born again, your relationship with the Father, your relationship with the Lord is a very special relationship. You never have to fear. God will always be with you. You're his daughter. If a man in the flesh would defend his own daughter with his own life, how much greater do you think Jesus Christ will fight for you? Right? He loves you. You're his daughter. He cares for you. And all the things that have went on in your past, he has washed them. He has cleansed you. He has brought you out of the muck and mire. And now Jesus Christ looks at you. You're his daughter. What a relationship to have with the Lord. Never fear. He loves you. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. Can you imagine the joy in this woman's heart? After the trembling and fear was over, when Jesus looked at her, I'm sure she was scared. Is he going to chastise me? Is he going to berate me like all these men in my past? How's he going to treat me? And when he says, daughter, go Go on, go on. Peace, shalom. Peace. This means you're made well. He made her well. That's how we know she's safe. Well physically, well spiritually. She is now healed of her infirmity for 12 years. That was driving her to the brink of disaster. Now she's saved. She's saved. She's a daughter of the king. I bet that woman's face lit up. Can you imagine the smile on that woman's face? When he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And she knew she was born again. Can you imagine her face? She was freed from her plague. She could now go to the temple. She could now go back to be with her husband. She now could sit at the family reunion. She was now a non-outcast of society because now she's a child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is a different realm that we live in, people. God brings us out of the children as a child of darkness. He brings us out of this kingdom and he puts us in the kingdom of light. 
We are now children of the king. Christ came to give his life a ransom, to seek and save those who were lost, to give us peace, eternal life. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. What a wonderful Savior we serve. What a wonderful Lord. God came as a man, walked upon the earth, saving men and women, children, setting them free from their slavery to sin, giving them eternal life. And he gets on a cross at the end of his earthly ministry. He gets on this cross, which is symbolic of the altar. When Moses walked around the altar with the blood and he sprinkled it seven times and did exactly what God wanted him to do, the Bible says that who, whatever touches that altar is made holy. And of all the millions of goats and bulls that came into the presence of the, high, the priest to sacrifice, they weren't all pure. But that didn't matter. Because it was, if Moses obeyed God and did the sprinkling of the blood, then when that lamb or that bull hit that altar, it was made pure. You see, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who got upon the cross, who shed his blood, who kept the law, who obeyed it to the nth degree, and he shed his blood, and his blood sprinkled, sprinkled down that cross. The Bible says that if you'll put your faith and trust in Him, if you'll turn from your sins and believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the Lamb of God, whatever touches Christ becomes holy. And that's where we stand as believers. And oh, they put Him in the grave and He rose on the third day. And the Bible says, for those of you who are not sure and you don't know if you have eternal life, the Bible says if you will have faith in Jesus Christ and turn from your sins and cry out for Him for mercy and He's moving in your life, the Bible says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ah, because when you come to that point in your life, He will save you because He's drawn you. Just like this woman. Now, as we end this message, can you imagine... Jairus at this time. He's in a hurry to get home. Well, we got to stop. Lord, let's keep going. Don't deal with this woman. Can you imagine the faith Jairus had after this ordeal happened? Can you imagine the faith that Jairus had going to his daughter's house? The faith that Christ instilled in Jairus by saving this woman and immediately healing her. She heard. I mean, he heard everything that went on. He was right by Christ. He heard this woman tell Christ everything and he healed her and saved her. I'm sure Jairus went to the house and a matter of fact, she was already dead. And the people laughed Christ to scorn. I'll just paraphrase the story. But Jesus looked at them and he said, do you believe? Do you believe? And he goes right into that little girl's room and he says, rise, little girl. You know how old that little girl was? She was 12. For 12 years, she had lived a life of joy as a child. For 12 years, now she's dead. The woman, for 12 years, had lived in agony, suffering, and an outcast. But 12 years later, they're both raised from the dead. He's a great God. Do you know him? 
He'll set you free today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have the word of God that shares.